Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that it's all at work. Hey listeners, thank you for tuning in to this special bonus episode. I've got a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Firstly, I'd like to take a moment to thank Tokriva and our other Patreon backers. We could not make this podcast without all of you. To support Marking Out With My Girlfriend and our other shows, visit patreon.com slash so says media or visit the link in the episode description. So Says Media is a queer media co-op that produces a number of wonderful shows like the one you're about to hear. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. We watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we don't. Falling Water by Andrew Lloyd Webber is just a two and a half hour video of Andrew Lloyd Webber pissing on me. Evita is very good. Starlight Express. <laughs> what the fuck? More like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I kind of want to do a comedy D&D one-shot where Strahd is the Phantom of the Opera. I want to know if he has also has a mask on one-third of his dick. <laughs> there would be a lot more jizz, but it would be very, very, very misogynistic somehow. Maybe he just only uses one-third of a condom. I just want you and McGregor fest. At least he's a hot boy. In this case, the Phantom is a fucking incel piece of shit. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. So Says is a queer media co-op that produces a number of wonderful shows and live streams. Subscribe to Unsound Theories wherever podcasts are sold, and follow us on Twitter at So Says Media for the latest updates. Thanks for listening. So, we're doing a second one this week. Yeah, we're doing a hashtag AEWDON. Standing for All Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing. Are you sure it's Double or Nothing and not just they hired some guy named Don? At this point, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm going to go with Double or Nothing. Huh. Okay. I'll bet on it. That's right. I owe Aaron $2. Yep. Because I expected Cody's match to have color, and there was no color. There wasn't. It was surprising, actually. Which, I maybe they're moving away from using as much color, because I mean, like, it's been getting a little bit much. Yeah. Wh- whether it's intentional or not, it's just been very consistent. So you gotta mix that up a bit. I mean, like, if we're doing bets on it over a podcast, it's probably just getting consistent. No, no, hold on, though. We had an over-under bet. What happens when neither of us were right? Do I actually owe you money? I think you do, because I chose over 12 minutes, and it's been over 12 minutes before we got color from Cody. I think Aitsu gets the $2. <laughs> okay. Producer Aitsu gets the $2. One dollar from each of us. <laughs> it's Canadian money, though, so it's like 15 cents American. If that.
we have wrestling to talk about. Yep. And there were a significant number of matches to this 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 pay-per-view. And there's a significant number of good matches too. Yeah, no, okay. So like overall impression, I had a very good time with this pay-per-view. Yep. I did not find any of the actual matches themselves to be like there were no um like low lights of the pay-per-view like with revolution obviously dustin versus hager was just not good yeah it wasn't what we were looking forward to at all and it kind of just lived up to that right and it it was disappointing for a number of reasons we didn't have that with this so we get started on the pre-show which we signed into at seven o'clock sharp and it started at seven thirty. <laughs> right because <laughs> I always forget that they only do the pre-show half an hour before these days, not an hour before like they did for first double or nothing. Yeah. When they had two matches for the pre-show instead of just the one. Yeah, but that's okay. So we started off with Private Party versus Best Friends. And this was, I think it was to solidify Best Friends being the number one contenders in the tag division. Yes, it was. Now, my thought was that, like, to me, this match was a toss-up. Okay. When we went in. Like, I thought, like, maybe they want they, they might want to give Private Party a little bit of momentum now that they're back for the first time in a while. Yep. Have them beat the best friends. The best friends are already a legitimate threat. Obviously, you know, Trent, question mark, went pretty long against Kenny Omega. That doesn't, that's not something that the faint of heart can do, you know? Yeah, they've built a really good reputation over the last couple of months. Which, like, I guess their availability has helped that. Yeah. I'd be interested in seeing the best friends holding the title. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool, actually. I think that it would certainly give them more opportunity to showcase, like, Orange Cassidy doing Orange Cassidy things. The question is, do they, like, the way that AEW did SCU holding the title, right? It was Kaz and Scorp who could defend it. Daniels wasn't able to defend the titles, nor was he in ring for that time. So it's not yeah. like the New Day where all three of them have the belts. Yeah, where it's just kind of shared amongst the group. The, the Freebird rule. Right. I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that, to be perfectly honest. Right. Like, especially... If they could get Swamp Monster as their third. <laughs> yes, that... <laughs> but also when you get like you have SEU, you have death triangle you have the buildings of a tag division that is more focused in like the three-man teams in essence you could build a king of trios tournament they really could but if you give that additional flexibility to it then i don't know, i think it'd be really interesting seeing who amongst teams is chosen to go in right right you make it a strategic decision based on like you know okay we're up against these guys who are they likely to put in who should we put in to counter that yeah and i think that certainly does make for some interesting work but we are definitely not talking about the match while we do all this no we are not <laughs> it was it was a very good pre-show match you know you don't expect them to come out guns blazing for the whole thing but they kind of did for a lot of it <laughs> right and there was some very fun moments i mean but to be honest 
best friends and private party are some of the most enjoyable tag teams in AEW. Yes. Because they have a lot of in-ring charisma. Yes. They're not just hard hitters. They're, you know, they're charismatic when they're in the ring. They're They're, showmen a little bit, too. Right. They're enjoyable to watch rather than just like, you know, the the Lucha Bros are very flashy and everything like that. But they're also very focused on the match. Yes. Whereas, like, there's a little bit of showmanship, as you said, to the way that Private Party and Best Friends do their matches. The one thing, this is my one beef with this match, is that Private Party and the Best Friends both have very good screamers on their team. And it would have <laughs> been really funny to have both Chuck Chucky e. T and I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's quite yeah it's cassidy who does the scream yep to just bo- have them both do the scream for separate reasons for like you know like at that, the same time right right at the same time while trent's got cassidy in a hold and quinn has chuck t in a hold and they both do the scream that would have been great <laughs> that would have been hilarious i would have enjoyed that a whole lot actually that would have taken the match for me from like a like you know, solid like three and a half star match to like a four and a half. Okay, that's valid. How'd you feel about uh, Trent's headband coming off though? You know, it was I. Trent wrestles with that headband when, in my opinion, he doesn't need to. I know the headband is like a hairline thing because you know when you cover up your whole hairline, it's for a reason. I don't think he needs to do it. You know, if he, yeah, I, I rather see him own it than like but at the same time it's a personal decision i so it adds some like elements of severity to the match to have his headband come off every once in a while yeah i was honestly surprised how used to seeing him with a headband i was Mm -hmm. because i've seen him before and he didn't use it years and years ago on the indies but when it came off like i almost don't recognize him (laughs) It it was a little jarring versus what you see him look like normally. Yeah, no, and like I appreciate all of the work that went into that match because they they not for nothing they did all go different pay per view, but they did kind of go all out. Yeah, no, they, they brought their A game for this, and it really started the night off properly. Wasn't one of those buy in matches where it was like forgettable. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. It worked perfectly for what they needed to do because it got me excited to watch the rest of the event and plus i can't be disappointed when i get to see a match end with a strong zero yep (laughs) because best friends did win this one and they did solidify themselves as the number one contenders for the tag titles so here's hoping we get to see that maybe sooner than later yeah no i mean i i feel like What's the next pay-per-view? Is it Fighter Fest? Yeah. When's that? End of August? July? 2020 TBA. (laughs) Yeah. That's the one they were originally planning on doing over in London. Yes. So that one's kind of just up in the air right now. We do have a main event, though. But that we will talk about later because that's two spoilers. (gasps) That's a pair of spoilers. It's a spoily. Double spoiler or nothing spoiler or nothing you get nothing good day but we get to see one of those spoilers going into the casino ladder match yes we do because the winner of that the winner of that gets a guaranteed shot at the aew world title so aaron who was in this match 
Oh, we had Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana, Joey Janela, Luchasaurus, and a TBA. A TBA? What kind of kind of wrestler is that? One that we don't know who it is yet. Okay, so like I wanna talk about how this match concept played out because it was a ladder match. You had to pull a poker chip from a hook above the ring. Yep. But the way that they did the lat like the way that they had the entrance come in spaced out two minutes apart versus like everyone starts in the ring and just mauls each other. You know, a mix of the things from the other company, MITB and Royal Rumble. Yeah, like I found myself very excited for who was going to be coming out next. Absolutely. I mean, like there was a lot of good, basically, there there was a lot of good action with the way that they had people coming out and like, you know, they get their moment in the spotlight. Yep. It, it made sure that everyone was given like that one moment where they had, you know, what would have been a crowd pop if there were crowds but yeah i i was popping at home so that counts yes i i agree so the first two entrants were scorpio sky and frank kazarian again in a duplicate of the bte tag team battle royal <laughs> or no that was just a battle royal never mind mm-hmm. but the jobbers were working together yep <laughs> and they actually tied up for the full two minutes they wrote there mm-hmm you know, even after grabbing ladders and deciding better of it and getting rid of them, they actually had a pretty good cold minute match against each other. Right. It, it definitely felt like this. So like, you know, a, you know, a lot of matches start with, you know, your typical collar and elbow tie up or what have you. And they, you know, go through the motions of a couple of like wrist locks and everything like that before they start getting all loosey goosey and throwing around the big moves. And, yep. You know, you got that out of the way to start ramping up the match by having it be between the two tag partners rather than, you know, people who were, you know, likely to completely compete with each other. Yep. Now that only lasted a couple minutes because our third entrant was Kip Sabian. Along with his boyfriend, Jimmy Havoc. (laughs) So here's the thing. Kip Sabian comes out, SCU both turn towards him, and then Jimmy Havoc jumps them both from behind. Mm-hmm. that's normally a heel move to jump them from behind but they were going to double team Kip <laughs> that's just preservation right that's don't hurt my boyfriend Yeah. <laughs> also Jimmy Havoc was wearing a suit that looked like it had blood splatter oh all over goodness. it oh my goodness it was a really good look it was a very Jimmy Havoc look Yep. I might not call it good I liked it I'm weird though that's fair not gonna protest that one we're all weird here yeah (laughs) yeah jimmy actually gets uh put through a ladder twice for his efforts kip uses the steel steps on scorpio sky and kaz makes the first run for the chip but doesn't quite make it make it because entry number four we have darby allen yes and darby does a lot of like throwing his skateboard around and typical darby allen stuff throwing his skateboard into kaz's face (laughs) yes now like i my one complaint is that and maybe it's because he got actually injured but it did feel like he was a little invisible in this match yeah so what happened is he tied up with kaz on the outside set up 
a ladder between the barricade and the apron, went up a taller ladder, and jumped through the first ladder that Kaz moved off of with his skateboard. And he was down for probably five or six minutes holding his shins. At least. Yeah. Which, of course, means that entrant number five comes out. (laughs) Freshly squeezed Orange Orange Cassidy. Cassidy. Who walks out, looks at the ring, walks over to commentary. Hey, how do I win this match? Tony explained this to you 200 times in the back, shouts Excalibur. (laughs) So Orange Cassidy not understanding how a ladder match works was probably one of my my highlights of the night now did he not understand how it works or he just was too lazy to set the ladder up because he got into the ring and just wouldn't bother setting the ladder up properly yeah he got into the ring and just like reached up like you know he he laid out a ladder and stood on that (laughs) he also did he did lift up the ladder but he didn't like swing the hinge out so it was just it just fell over it just fell over there was a lot of very good Orange Cassidy in this. Wait, this is this is wonderful peak Orange Cassidy. Exactly. This is the stuff that I like to see when he's thrown into like not a normal match, not a tag or a singles match, like something like this where he's allowed to be a bit sillier, even for him. Right, and I, I, you know, like I think having Orange Cassidy talk a little bit more is a good thing because he's very funny he is entry number six comes down and looks like he's gonna help orange cassie with the ladder but uh colt cabana jumps him instead and tries Mm -hmm. to make a sprint for it (laughs) kip ends up catching him at the last possible second while scu tip over the ladder and orange cassie comes back unloading on uh scu with drop kicks and topes and whatever else he could find Right. Then our next entrant is the bad boy Joey Janela. Who didn't even give enough time for himself to be introduced before he started diving on people. Yeah, it was great. He like immediately dove on SCU. Like didn't even go into the ring, dove from the stage. Yeah, he dove on SCU, he dove on Orange Cassidy, he dove on Kip, he dove on Jimmy, he dove on Colt. So yeah, no, they had some they had some good moments. Then our next entrant is Luchasaurus, who gets his moment, his 15 minutes of fame, as it were. Yep. As he comes in and beats everyone away, gives some power bombs, some choke slams. Darby actually comes back in at this point and hits a code red on Luchasaurus. It did not look good. Also, are we calling them code reds now? or That's what they call Darby's version. Okay, because I thought that was just a Dustin thing. I guess they're going with code reds then. <laughs> that was definitely what they said on the commentary. Right. And I'm like wondering if maybe it was a slight like mix up and they called it a code red because they're like told you have to call it a code red when Dustin does it. And they accidentally called it that when someone else did it. Yeah, but maybe. But it's a Canadian destroyer. We'll see what uh, ends up happening on Wednesday this week when they try to correct it. I would love to see... If they do mandate that the Canadian Destroyer is now called the Code Red, Orange Cassidy just completely ignoring that. <laughs> and just doing the Canadian Destroyer still. <laughs> and being like, it's time for the Canadian Destroyer! And then doing his very lazy Canadian Destroyer where he, like, <laughs> gently rolls. So Orange Cassidy announcing it's time for the Canadian Destroyer. 
and best friend that they're no no it's code red now that would be great oh gosh so yeah no uh luchasaurus has some good moments yep he looks really strong until he gets hit with the code red and darby starts making for the coin Mm -hmm. when we get to our final unknown entrant our final unknown entrant who happened to be the guy that aew signed in january (laughs) i mean yes but who remembers january that was like six years ago okay fair (laughs) so we get brian fucking cage yeah if you don't know who brian cage is i definitely suggest just putting him into youtube and watching any match now it's worth noting that he has a heretofore unannounced relationship with taz yep which i'm gonna guess is taz's little fuck you to darby not wanting his advice right okay so darby you don't want my advice fine i'll go manage this other guy yeah although i think aew calls them coaches i know they do for arn anderson because that is specifically his job right i'm thinking that like thinking about tully blanchard he's sean spears's coach not his manager is it i think so it's been so long since we've seen tully i don't remember i know the only like maybe i don't know it's it's hard to say because like there's no clear defined relationship of like terminology used for jake roberts and lance archer for example so let's just let's go with coach for now okay we'll go with coach for now because cage comes down and rips apart everyone with a lot of suplexes he just throws them around everywhere and he starts up up the ladder to get the chip and everybody swarms on him orange cassidy climbs up on his back there's a great shot of this that was put up on AEW's twitter feed for the event and i ran it through an oil painting filter in photoshop and i kind of want to get it framed it was very good like it just feels very like renaissance paintingy i mean like i don't know it just so like this event had a lot of very good like single frame moments and this was one of them a lot of good photo ops that that's another way to describe it but i like calling them single frame moments because that's what i said the cameraman the cameraman on staff earned their wages that night yes, <laughs> maybe a did. bonus there's some great shots from there so after that everyone decides to team up on cage i did forget one moment though oh that we want to talk about and it's when cage suplexes joey janela oh no <laughs> and joey janela's like oh fuck that hurt like a fucking bitch or whatever he <laughs> fucking said. motherfucker <laughs> fucking motherfucker was the phrase <laughs> just right right on on the hard cam mic clear as day which it's worth noting someone has edited into a simpsons still frame (laughs) oh goodness one of either rod or todd saying ow my fucking ears (laughs) but yeah once everyone gets their bearings back they team up on cage take him to the outside get him down, and just start piling stuff on him. Like chairs, barricades, tables. 
one of the fucking chips in the set design was put on top of him. And he just laid there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also found this picture of Orange Cassidy that I want to, like, put in the show notes. I'll paste it in Discord so you can see it. Yeah, so Brian took a nap for seven minutes while everyone else started getting their shit in again, including Kip Sabian hitting a Van Terminator, which is just impressive. I don't care who does it. It's impressive. No, like, I I appreciate Kip. Like, I don't know. Like, the vibe that I've gotten off of Kip is that in the last, like, six months, he's legitimized himself a lot more. And I think he'll eventually get a title shot. Yeah. Maybe not the you know aew title but now that we've got another belt in the mix yeah he's definitely going to be a big contender for that tnt title sorry i shouldn't call it a belt doesn't hold up your pants this isn't that company (laughs) just call it a strap no because the only person who's allowed to have a strap on is sammy (sighs) and we got the reference in it's not an episode of this show if we don't mention it I should do this twice this week. Okay, back to this. Because we get Penelope Ford comes down. Because she was she was away from the ringside for most of this. Because she did have a match later on in the night. Yep. So Orange Cassie's going up the ladder. Penelope comes out and tries to distract him or get him off or something. But he ends up grabbing both of her arms and just letting go. Mm-hmm. And she falls into Kip in the corner. <laughs> Luchasaurus comes back, chokes on a bunch of people. Orange Cassie tries to choke slam Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus. That doesn't go so well. Then mm-hmm. Marco Stunt comes out of nowhere with a short ladder and helps Luchasaurus choke slam Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yes, a Marco Stunt sized ladder. Uh, Orange Cassidy ends up taking a DVD on top of the pile of Cage, which wakes up the slumbering beast. Yeah, you don't do that, you just leave him alone. And yeah, Cage ends up winning this match at like it was like at easily a half hour match. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, Cage gets up, rips everyone apart again, and just takes the chip. Oh yeah, he hit a Steiner driver too. Mm-hmm. There's something you don't see every day. No. So yeah, no. Like I mean, thoughts on the result because I think Cage acquitted himself well and made his threat feel valid and realized so i've made it known before that i don't like seeing guys go into companies and immediately end up with title shots mm-hmm. because i just don't like how that flows you're in a new company you start new right you have to earn your title shot but brian cage coming in and tearing up this match the way he did i fucking believe it <laughs> right right like he and tearing through a large number of very legitimate contenders and Orange Cassidy. Yeah. No, I honestly believe Cage to be a world-class threat, not just because knowing his history, but seeing him in this match, like, yeah, no, this is a guy who, if he didn't have a title shot now, would probably have one next week. Mm -hmm. Like, at the very least, challenge for the Tint title. (laughs) Tint let's never do that again okay fine tnt title so yeah that was fun that was an amazing match our next match for me was one of the highlights of the night this is this is the show stealer for me 
this is the one I didn't expect to be as good as it was. Right. And it has stuck with me since then. Okay, that's fair. Like, the the match that you come in expecting, okay, yeah, this will be, like, a good match. It won't be great. This is going to be a solid match. It's going to be at the front of the card somewhere, which it was. It was in the second place. And I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to be surprised by it. And then I was just completely surprised by it. So the match we're talking about is MJF taking on Jungle Boy. Right, which you wouldn't expect, you know, Jungle Boy at, what? what's his record now? 7-14-1? Yeah, something. That includes his tag matches. Yeah. Does it include his 10-minute defense against Jericho? Yes, that's the one. Okay. Yeah, because that's something to keep in mind when you watch this, actually, is is uh, Jungle Boy went 10 minutes with then AEW world champion. With Le Champion. Which, to no ends does it bother me how the entire commentary team cannot say Le Champion. El Champion? <laughs> how about Le Sex Gods? It's supposed to be Lay. Lay Sex Gods. It's plural. So, AEW, hire a francophone wrestler. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what francophone wrestlers I know of that are high profile. Lufisto. Lufisto would be good. Actually, yeah, I was just I was gonna make a Kevin Owens joke, but you got me with Lufisto. Really, AEW hired Lufisto. She's amazing, and I love her. We've talked about it before, but like I just want to mention again that my favorite part about Kevin Owens wrestling is every once in a while you hear the Quebecer come out. <laughs> He just gets really invested in the anger. He gets really invested in the anger, and it's like just that little bit of like different vowel pronunciation that comes out, and yep. it's like a little bit here, which is like the the very sort of uh, French pronunciation of English words. Yep. <laughs> uh, so anyway, MGF versus Lucha Boy, Lu- Jungle Boy, <laughs> Lucha Boy. <laughs> Wow, I'm reading too many words. I've got Luchasaurus written right underneath that name. Junglesaurus. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've got written that there's no Luchasaurus and there's no Marco out for this. Right. He's out there by himself, but MJF has Wardlow. Now, it was good that Wardlow didn't become a factor in this match. Yeah, he, he was there, but he didn't get involved. MJF didn't use the diamond ring at all. Right, so this was like the first match we've had in a while, if ever, where MJF hasn't cheated. Yeah, like, he he did some underhanded stuff. In the beginning, he looked like he twisted his knee and had Dr. Sampson come in, but then jumped Jungle Boy as soon as his back was turned. Right, that's that's underhanded, but not necessarily completely cheating. Exactly. You know, it it was good heel, like, it's a heel move, it wasn't like a, I'm using this diamond ring and punching someone in the head with a metal ring. Yeah. Now, throughout this match, they both took a body part and started working it. MJF took Jungle Boy's arm and started working it, which came in important later when he tried to get a label and couldn't quite hold it long enough. Mm -hmm. And Jungle Boy worked over MJF's back, which came in when he wasn't able to get him up for a shoulder breaker at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, like... The match had really, really incredible storytelling. The match had really, really good, like, you know, like that none of the action felt hokey or anything like that. It felt very focused on putting together 
a real good like you know i mean like there there was still flippy shit but it felt like a real like classic match in terms of like you know there was a lot of working body parts there's a lot of like some really good psychology right right it worked very well as like a you know one of the more like pure wrestling matches that we've gotten in a while yeah producer ito even saying it's just a good southern wrestling match for 2020 mm-hmm. like cody does good southern wrestling matches this might be better than the ones he's been putting on i would agree i like i like i, I like cody to a point but like cody matches have a very very consistent arc to them yeah they, they build in a certain way they go to a certain point whereas this one i like on friday we said mgf is gonna win this because it's just not his time to be taken down a peg right halfway through i wasn't so sure of that mm -hmm. because it was so back and forth they were hitting such good stuff like jungle boy hit a poison rod on the apron <laughs> and it kept going from there yeah and it no. made sense to keep going from there and like the thing that i felt really really satisfied with this match about is that as cocky as mjf is you kind of got the sense towards the end of the match that he was getting desperate to have it be over and like win it because he couldn't keep going that much longer yes you starting to hit that breaking point mm -hmm. so yeah no this was easily the top match on the card for me yes with the exception of our second of two main events which really was our third of three main yeah. events <laughs> we, we were saying that on twitter all day it's like there's three main events tonight and it's not even this one okay so we had cody versus lance are we going to talk about that i mean it was a fine match yeah it, it was a good match the interference from arn answer is kind of weird because he took advantage of a distraction by jake roberts that had no real point right it it was it was to be honest i'm just glad that that storyline's over fingers crossed because apparently mike tyson's gonna be on dynamite this week yeah the, the ref stooging arn out that was pretty funny actually i enjoyed that part no it wasn't uh who was the ref for this match the ref was Bryce Ramsberg. That's what I thought. I thought it was Bryce. And then one of the other refs caught Arn cheating and called him out on it. So everyone got ejected. Yeah, so it was good to like let Cody and Lance finish the match on their own. Yeah. And of course, Cody does end up winning. So your first TNT champion is the Booker. <laughs> that thing he was worried about people calling him out on when he made the stipulation with the title match last year. Yep. Uh, would you like to move to the next match? Because I do. Before we do that, though. God, that belt is ugly. I'm going to hold off judgment till it actually gets gold-plated, but I don't expect there to be much better detail after that. I mean, like, if you plate the entire thing in gold, maybe. <laughs> Get rid of the red strap? Uh, no, red and gold look good together. I'm just not a fan of colored straps on belts. It just... Okay, so like a year ago, Cody and the Brothers Buck made fun of the 24-7 <laughs> championship belt. Yes, they did. Mercilessly. The TNT belt looks like the 24-7 championship belt. Yep. 
they definitely went for more of the old 90s world title with the sidebars on it, but it came out looking like the 24-7 title. And just like the 24-7 title, it doesn't look good. Nope. I'll hold off judgment, but boy, do they need to replace that thing ASAP. Get a better design. Don't let TV networks dictate your belts. Don't let Cody have a hand in designing titles because you've seen that man's design sense and it's written plain on his neck. Yep. 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 That's all I need to say. So, after this, we had Penelope Ford and Chris Statlander because, of course, right after we went off-air on Friday night, the announcement was made that Britt Baker wouldn't be able to get into the match on Saturday. Which is reasonable, and I hope that she has a very speedy recovery because she is probably my favorite heel in the company. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they did give a little bit of injury update where Dr. Sampson says the injury isn't near as bad as the patient. Which is saying something because it's like a torn ACL. Yeah, the estimates I've heard are probably about eight months. So, less than a year. I'm thinking that they'll have her still cut promos and things like that. And, like, I think this is a good opportunity to bring in new women talent. Yep. And have Britt work with them. And then, once she's healthy, do a betrayal angle. Yeah. AEW is really good at keeping people relevant. True. Like, the past couple months have definitely shown that when they still put on Pac, when they still get cuts from different people. Right, or like when Darby was injured and they had him do those silent promos. Yep, like, they know what they're doing to keep people in the limelight. Speaking of which, now that we're past this Matt Hardy and the Elite Alliance... Are we? Maybe, I don't know. It was supposed to have been just for blood and guts slash the stadium stampede which is blood and guts 2.0 yeah <laughs> i just want to see matt hardy and darby allen have a match that's all yeah i think that'd be brilliant let them have a ridiculous flippy ladder match you could delete darby and have him be reborn if you want like just do something <laughs> uh so anyway chris statlander versus penelope ford where kip sabian comes out on crutches and bandaged up head to toe mm-hmm it's it's a great look this match actually started off with a lot of like gymnastics exchanges yes it was a lot of fun i like okay i like i know people are kind of down on this match for being like penelope's frankly like i love her and i appreciate her so much but she's just not quite at the same level as Britt baker true and it kind of seemed like her and Statlander were on different pages through most of this. Mm -hmm. Like, they never really got up to speed with each other. Probably because they didn't really plan <laughs> right. on being in this there was match. A, until... There was a lot of, lot of audibles that had to be called for this yeah. match. But they both looked great. They, they both were able to get their stuff in. They came out of this looking pretty good, I thought. I don't disagree. And I think it fit the card pretty well. I think, you know, I think Chris Statlander winning had to have been the, okay, what do we do now? Because, like, I, I 
had this planned for Britt Baker winning. Same. As like a making her the top contender for the title. Yeah. Which would have made a lot of sense when we go to the women's championship match later. Yes. But this is <laughs> because of situations, this is a match we get. And I really did enjoy it. No, I I had fun with it too. Speaking of matches that were fun. Sean <laughs> Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. Oh, I, I love this one so much. So Spears actually comes out in a suit. Like he is not ready to wrestle for this one. And he calls out Dustin. Dustin's music starts playing. Right. Basically, Sean's angle is Dustin is forced to retire by getting the shit kicked out of him by Lance Archer. Yep. Which clearly wasn't true because otherwise they wouldn't have booked this match of course but this this was such a funny match i had so much fun with this so sean comes out he has Aubrey ring the bell and start the count this count went longer than 10 of course sean spears won this by any statement any fair count would have had sean spears win this match yep but when she's counting, Dustin's music starts up again and Brandy comes out. Actually, Dustin's music starts up the first time and you see Spears looking at the entrance ramp like, uh, you know, like, wait, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And he turns around and faces the hard cam like, ah, <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> oh. So yeah, then they start the 10 count. During that, his music starts again. And Spears like, no, no, we were only doing that bit once. Brandy <laughs> comes out. Then Dustin comes up in front of the hard cam, but behind Spears. And Spears gets stripped down to his boxers. <laughs> yeah. And then his butt comes out a little bit. Yep. And he gets chased around the entire match with his butt out. Yep. I'm a big fan of Sean Spears. <laughs> Maybe a little more now. <laughs> So, hey, this is a good time, as any, for Booty Moments with Cat. Good segue. So, the subject of this week's Booty Moments, or I guess this episode's Booty Moments with Cat, Sean Spears. Now, I feel like I would be remiss in judging Sean Spears any way other than giving him a perfect 10. <laughs> there was a lot of, like, his... Uh, okay, so, like... The upper part of his butt was very well defined. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a lot of the focus is on the bottom of the cheek, the, you know, yeah. downward slope. But this is like, you know, Sean Spears has a bubble butt. Yeah. Good for him. He's able to flex it, too. Yeah, so, perfect 10. This has been Booty Moments with Cat. Thank you for your time. Now, in addition to that, he also had a little tolly on the front. Yeah, so his dick had Tully's face on it. <laughs> which i thought was hilarious because tully was on the promotional materials as coming out with him mm -hmm. and that he didn't because it's just not safe for him to travel right and they they announced it as sean spears with tully blanchard yeah so having him on spears's boxers it's like oh there he is <laughs> oh there's tully <laughs> It was a little, it was very embarrassing for Sean Spears, which is hilarious. I don't think he has anything to be embarrassed about. Yeah, I mean, he got his ass kicked by a 50-year-old man. But that ass. Now, like, I thought it was great. I loved it. But at the same time, I do want to be fair. If WWE pulled something like that, I feel like we'd be fairly critical of that. Because, 
Okay, I would be critical because I'd more expect WWE to do that to one of the women on roster. Fair. My thought would be that the intention of WWE doing something like that would be to punish the performer. Yes. AEW, it feels... I don't think Sean Spears is being punished by the company by any stretch of the imagination. He's been filling his role perfectly. I think this was just like a one-off funny idea that they had, and Sean was in on the idea. So that's the that's the big difference. Yeah, and it's on a pay-per-view, so you can get away with a little bit more than you could have on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So why not have a little bit of fun with it? Right, and like it, it, uh, the the punitive aspect is what makes it like like Vince has this idea that you punish people by embarrassing them on TV. Yeah, and like yes, it works. But is it a adult human thing to do? Probably not. It feels no. very childish. It is. It, it honestly is. And when you see his sense of humor leak into storylines, it's like, where's the point where Vince being entertained turns into punishment? Right. Where's the point where Vince being entertained turns into the rest of us being really bored and uncomfortable? Yeah. I've been on really uncomfortable in a lot of WWE segments over the years. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Back to the good show we've been watching. <laughs> AEW Women's Championship No DQ Match. Oh, Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. And this is a main event. They build this night as having two main events. This is a third main event on this card. This absolutely was a main event it was an incredible match cheetah had an incredible tifa outfit yes cheetah was cosplaying tifa lockhart single-handedly saving the concept of cosplay ring gear by having made it herself yeah <laughs> i honestly love how many wrestlers do make their own costumes and stuff mm-hmm. so at the start of this now it comes out again with the kendo stick mm-hmm. and they have a little tug of war with it and it kind of does play an important role through a lot of the match, actually. Yeah, no, the kendo stick is like a pivotal item within the match. At, at one point in the start, Nyla even like throws it away, mm-hmm. like dismissively. And they fight to the outside, they fight around, and she <laughs> actually finds where it is. Right. And delivers the the probably the best line of the night. I found my kendo stick, bitch. And then hits Nyla with the kendo stick. <laughs> it's like, perfect. A good full circular. Yep. It, it, it's predictable, but it's perfect. Don't change that. Right. That's the sort of thing that, yes, it's cliche, but it works because it's always like, you know, it's one of those moments where it is pretty satisfying. It is. And like this match was really rough Sheeta gave it her all like it felt like she was just putting everything on the line she got thrown all around a lot and like posted the wealth she got to instagram afterwards and it looked pretty nasty yeah you know it it was it, there were some solid looking welts like enough that it made emma go ooh. oh my god <laughs> yes that was the reaction oh my god so when they get back into the ring after all that nyla hits a guillotine off the top rope sets up a a table and puts sheeta through it Uh sheeta ends up throwing the stick at nyla and hitting an avalanche falcon arrow which only hits for two yes which 
we determined does not violate the rule that nobody kicks out of the falcon arrow because there's an avalanche falcon arrow not just a vanilla falcon arrow it's a different move and then the penultimate moment of this match where nyla is getting up from that she's on her knees and she takes the kendo stick and swings it and breaks it over nyla's head <laughs> So I just want to like circle back to that Falcon, the Avalanche Falcon arrow oh, sure. to add one more thing. And that's like, I went into this match pretty neutral. And when Cheetah hit the Avalanche Falcon arrow, I realized that my heart wanted Nyla to win. Yeah, I was not ready for Nyla to lose this match. As big a fan of Cheetah as I am, it's still Nyla. <laughs> right. We're, we're biased a little bit. It's we, fine. We're allowed to be. We're not on the payroll. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we lose money making this show. Oh, probably. Oh well. Yeah, whatever. Uh, either way, it was it was so much fun. Like and like I I felt it in my heart. I was like, oh, thank God when she kicked out. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. Like, I know what I want now, but I know where this is going. <laughs> and then the breaking the kendo stick over Nyla was just like it it worked so well yeah now i had said this when we we're watching it like i'm pretty sure the outcome was set that cheetah wins because that's been mm -hmm. the build-up for the past couple months right she's been on a hot streak like this if you told me that after the kendo stick broke they called an audible for the three i'd believe you because that's just the perfect moment to end on right and like i don't know maybe at some point the kendo stick whilst off screen was you know like gig to break more than likely like and that that last hit looked pretty hard though yeah she she got a full swing in there but yeah it, what a match oh it's it, it was a roller coaster we weren't ready for the end but congratulations to the new women's champion hikaru shida who then went on to post on her YouTube a video of her eating all of her favorite foods to celebrate <laughs> her new championship, which included tater tots and nori, yep. which is a combination I have to try now. Yeah, I'm really curious what this is like. And like, that's the thing. It was plain tater tots. Yeah. Don't know how that is. I guess with the, I guess with the nori, it adds like a little bit of extra flavor. I don't eat tater tots plain. You dip them in stuff. They're, yeah. they're dip foods. Or you make poutine out of them. Tater tot poutine is addictive. Okay, I I don't see the maybe maybe it's just me, but for me, the appeal of poutine is in the fries being fries, not tater tots. But you see, you still have fries, but you have a larger surface area now that's going to grab more cheese and curd or cheese and gravy. Okay, but <laughs> like that's cheese. that's the thing, like right, your tater tot is a lump effectively. Yep. So now you're in a double lump situation between the curds and the tot, and like it feels like you can't get as even of a bite. I mean, nothing about a poutine is exactly even. It's kind of just a messy food in general. See, but like that's the thing when you have when you have like the longer fries, you can kind of like attack the fries at a horizontal, so you get a good mix of fries and cheese. Honestly, I find more times than not when I have just regular fries on my poutine, I end up with like half to three quarter plain fry anyway. I 
like almost always mix it up before I start eating. I try to. It it just doesn't work properly. Gosh, I want poutine now. I know. Maybe we'll order for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> Literally nowhere around here does poutine because I'm not in Canada. I know. Try to get some disco fries. <laughs> I have gravy cubes. I have tofu that I can use mixed with like some cheese. And I have potatoes. So I can theoretically, I could do like any kind of potato I want. Kind of, you know, kind of poutine. Yeah. Don't, the one thing I don't have is one of those wavy potato slicers. Mm. So I can't make waffle fry poutine. Try steak cut. Maybe? I don't know. Like, the one that I did most recently was I spiralized some potatoes. So okay. I put a potato yep. through a spiralizer. This wasn't for a poutine, though. This I put on top of a burger. Okay, yep. So I spiralized them. I deep fried them till they got crispy, like, you know... Andy Caps hot fries or whatever. So I had that on top of the burger. That was good. That does sound good, actually. But again, no, I'll have to figure... I have to get back to eating more healthy rather than making poutine, which is the problem <laughs> with poutine. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, like, I guess I could make... Hmm. What was the other thing? I, I had an idea with kimchi the other day. But... You're going to do a kimchi pasta sauce. Kimchi pasta salad. Salad. Sorry. That's right. I had another kimchi idea, but I don't remember what it was. I might have said it to Emma and Erica. Erica, if you're still in chat, do you remember if I had a kimchi-based idea? Anyway, we have two more matches to talk about. And they are heckin' matches. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're gonna need a whole hour just to talk about the Stadium Stampede match. Uh, <laughs> let's do... AEW champion John Moxley versus the exalted one, Mr. Brody, where there's actually security in the ring before they get there to keep them from just jumping each other. Uh-huh. Like, that was a sight to see. Yes, it was. It was fun. This was... Okay, for as much as MJF versus Jungle Boy was a great wrestling match, this was a great brawl. No, for sure. This was just... And, like, that's the thing. It wasn't billed as no DQ, but they got a real, like, fight in. Yeah, th there was no letting them just stay in the ring. They were going to explore the arena. And it worked very well. Yeah, including, like, at one point, Brody Lee gives Mox a pump handle suplex onto a barricade that got set up. Brody goes through the, the ring announcer table and almost clipped his head off the steel stairs. Mox gets thrown through the display cards that are set up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, and there was, there was, like, some really good action in this match. Yeah. Including Brody Lee scaring the heck out of Leva, mm -hmm. who just barely grabs her MacBook off the table before he throws it around. Which, he still owes Leva an apology for that. Yeah, seriously. They get back in the ring and just keep brawling. They make their way back out of the ring, up the ramp, mm -hmm. where Mox gives a paradigm shift through the entryway they break right through it mox comes out first lee brody lee comes out and he's got blood coming all over his face realistically they probably should have started a 10 count they really should have but you know they didn't because it's a it's a world title match you, you give a lot of leeway but yeah no it was like I, it you know, they're taking the paradigm shift through the stage then 
continuing to keep going. Yeah, they, like they're still fighting in the ring before Mox hits a paradigm shift for one, a paradigm shift for two, and choking out Brody Lee. Right. So like that, the the rear naked choke was just really gorgeous. Oh, it it was in there and it looked pretty tight. <laughs> I, my thing is like I, I don't so like did did we expect Brody Lee to win this? No. Did anyone expect Brody Lee to win this? Except Evil Uno. Well, I honestly don't think anyone was expecting Brody Lee to come in on Mox's second defense? Second pay-per-view defense and and win it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this. But they put on a really good show. They did. And like I said with the Jungle Boy MGF match, which I keep going back to, I know. Because it was the best match of the night. Yeah. Throughout so many matches on this card, I didn't actually know which way it was going to go at the halfway mark. Mm -hmm. It was just always so back and forth. There was momentum shifts and advantages and everything together to just keep me guessing and watching. With the exception of Sean Spears' match. Well, yeah, but I had other things to watch in that match. That's true. There were other things to keep you entertained. <laughs> it was entergaging. Rest in peace, Garfield Eads. Oh my god. Their landlord fucking locked them out, so Garfield Eads is closed. Yeah. It's a Toronto institution, and it's been destroyed by the greed of landlords. Fuck landlords, by the way. <laughs> Mao was right. That's a hard line stance to take on a oh, podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to leave that one in. No, I mean, you can, because he was right about landlords, but yeah. he was wrong about a whole shitload of other stuff. Yeah. Broken clock is still right twice a day. True. Uh, so anyway, our third main event. The pre-recorded Stadium Stampede match. And holy shit! What didn't happen in this match? What? Yeah, uh, there was a lot that happened in this match. So... It starts off, and Hangman's nowhere to be seen. The, the teams come out like they're football teams. The inner yes. circle has matching uniforms. And pads. They have, like, yep. football pants with pads in them. <laughs> and helmets. <laughs> it's just so silly. I, I love the reference on the numbers, too. Because mm -hmm. Jericho had 27, I believe. Yes, which was his dirty rag of a father's number. His dad played on the Rangers. Jericho was born in New York because his dad was on the Rangers at the time. And fuck the Rangers. That's a stance that I will keep in this. Okay, I we'll, will fight to have that in we'll there. We'll keep that one in. Hagar had his old number with the Oklahoma Sooners. Mm -hmm. Which JR loved. Yeah. JR's a Sooners fan. We all know that. We all expect it. Sammy had 93 for the year he was born. And Proud and Powerful had 51 and 50. Interesting. I, th I don't remember the exact... They they definitely said it, but they, I don't they, remember. They go over everything, yeah. But yeah, no, there was there was a ring in the middle of the field. And they're wrestlers, so they went to the ring. Even though they could use all of the arena, they went right to the ring. <laughs> so like, the, the, that's the thing. Like the, the way the match started was the quote-unquote stadium stampede. Yep. They lined up on opposite like 30-yard lines. And charged at each other and met in the middle. And just started throwing stuff at each other. Right. The elite had a bunch of weapons with them. A trash can. A broom. I for 
uh, yeah, Kenny Omega has this thing about brooms. I don't get he's it. He's the cleaner. Right, but brooms don't hurt. But he's the cleaner. But brooms <laughs> don't hurt. Anything hurts when you swing it hard enough. The brooms stick, maybe, but the actual brush part doesn't hurt unless it's like a shop broom. It can leave like little scratches, and those get really irritating. They do when they have barbed wire. That's true. And then you get fined $10,000. Yeah, you get fined $10,000 for color in the state of Maryland. So while they're all brawling out and around the ring, we finally get our first look at Hangman Page. Who comes out with a bandana over his face for, you know, appropriate measures of safety, wearing a mask. And he's got his vest on, he's got riding chaps on, and he's on a horse. Now, you can go back to interviews that he did before, and, and he's always said that the one thing they really want to do with him is put him on a horse for some reason. <laughs> so they finally got Hangman on a, on a horse, and he chased down Sammy Guevara. He rides really well. Yeah, he does. He's a legitimate cowboy. He was there to do cowboy shit, and damn did he do cowboy shit. <laughs> so he chases Sammy off into the back. Right, because, you know, having Sammy get chased down by modes of transportation is apparently a thing now. Yeah, it's happened twice now. He ends up losing Sammy in the back, though. Mm -hmm. And Sammy comes back to the main field where they get, everyone gets in the ring and starts hitting stuff. They're doing high spots, they're doing finishers, they're doing whatever they want. They cut to the back and Hangman's looking around, can't find Sammy, but he does find the bar. So he goes to the bar instead. Yeah, and, like, the thing that I loved about this match was how creative every single one of the spots was. Yeah. So Hangman going to the bar, and, like, having a drink at the bar, and then, like, Hager comes and finds him. So Hangman's drinking at the bar, he's like, you want a drink? Sure. They have a drink, they have a bar fight. Are you here to drink, or are you here to fight? What's the difference? <laughs> they, yeah, they do a whole around-the-bar fight. It was a good moment for Hager, and those are very rare. Yeah. Like, they even got the pool table worked into this, mm -hmm. and that looked like it hurt a lot when Hangman gets slammed on it. Yeah, there's only so much give that that felt has, huh? Yeah, no. But eventually, Omega shows up, and they start to- Oh, before that even, Hangman gets thrown onto the bar and run all the way down. Like a goddamn John Wayne movie. <laughs> then Omega shows up, and they double-team on Hagar. They take him out. Then they pour each other a drink. Hangman has whiskey and Omega has milk. Now, it's very worth noting that the whiskey that Hangman was drinking was visibly cloudy and therefore iced tea. <laughs> but that's okay, because I'm willing to live disbelief for wrestling, especially great wrestling like this. No, and like, you know, it's worth, because he was going to down it, it's like... For a lot of the other, like, drinking he does, you know, it's, like, very obvious that he's not drinking all of it, because a lot of it spills. It's the cold Steve method. <laughs> yep, it is. Uh, so, like, it it works well when he's not actually drinking it, and, like, you know, it just so happened that this was a still shot. It was a close shot. Yep. While all this is going on, we also had Matt Hardy taking on Proud and Powerful. We also had Matt Jackson hit a... Field goal post moonsault. Oh gosh, right, there was that. With with taped up ribs. 
with taped up ribs. <laughs> he hits that on them. I think Sammy did something similar off the ring where I think he took out more of the inner circle than the elite. Mm-hmm. No, there was a lot of like, it was just, it was a rip roaring good time. It was complete, complete other, utter chaos. We get probably my favorite segment of the night wherein Matt Hardy is fighting with Proud and Powerful <laughs> through the stadium, up the stairs and everything like that. Now, originally Omega is with Hardy, mm-hmm. but he got the old uh, WWF No Mercy throw to the back to change scenes. <laughs> Ortiz gives him an Irish rip. He goes through a doorway and he's gone now. He can't go back to that scene. That was the scene changed to this segment because they chased after Kenny and they were up in the stands and like Kenny gets salt in the eyes. Yep. Which takes him out. And then Matt Hardy shows up to like have Kenny's back whereupon he gets hit by the, what are, what do they call them? A speedball is a drug. So what, <laughs> what the fuck is the thing that they call the, the baseballs in a sock? The mad ball. That's the one. Yeah. Speedball is cocaine and heroin. <laughs> it's how John Belushi died. Yep. But yeah. So, so there. So it's two on one for for Hardy, and they end up throwing him into a, one of the pools that's on the observation decks. So Santana goes in to follow and tells Ortiz to get in. Ortiz says, "I can't swim." What do you mean you can't swim? I mean I can't swim. Stop being a pinejo. <laughs> Stop being a pendejo and get in here. <laughs> he eventually gets in the three foot deep pool. Like he's gingerly going in down the ladder to do this. I just adore Santana and Ortiz so much. Oh, they, they are always a highlight to any show I watch. Them working with Matt Hardy is great. Like, yeah, there's so much creativity in here. So they start to try to drown Matt. <laughs> and we get a matter of fact. That they actually notice in the wrestling world. Yes. So in kayfabe, the matter of fact sign like shows up in the real world and they point to it like, wait, Matt Hardy can hold his breath for 349 seconds. <laughs> and then he comes up and we get Matt Hardy version one. Ah! That was the secret word. It was version one. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that death and R.I.P in a lot of pain right now <laughs> <laughs> look Aaron, i told you there was a secret word at the start of the show yep i know you did i was just hoping to find it earlier <laughs> no I, I i made it version one so that you would have the longest potential amount of time to forget <laughs> about it <sighs> so like you know getting through the show thinking you're safe and then he <laughs> I I let you take over that segment so you can say version one. <laughs> ah! uh, I get the joke, Cat. I'm proud of that execution. <laughs> that, that was pretty good, actually. I liked it. Back to the match, though. Because we have version one jump up, and they just push him right back down. We mm-hmm. get a camera under the water of him still doing all the finger guns and everything. <laughs> yeah, he's still doing the version one hand sign, which is like this or whatever. Yeah comes back up and we get uh, big money Matt Hardy mm-hmm. <laughs> who gets thrown under again <laughs> and we finally get Damascus back yes the, the amount of like costume changes they had to do for that scene and just like the spotting like yeah let's like you know with with spot tape and everything like that it's 
very easy to see when you're filming in a pool. Yep. So they had to, like, basically have Santana Ortiz stay exactly still and then match the frames for when he went under to when he came back up. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. For most of the match, until it got to that point, I forgot that it was pre-recorded. Yes. Like, I'm just watching everything happen, and it's like, yeah, no, this is cool. This is wrestling. Right. <laughs> this is pre-recorded. They can do a lot of crazy crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, we finally get the mask is up. He fights out of the pool that's been filled with the waters of regeneration. Yes. So he gets, I think he, he puts Santana under the bell and rings the bell. Yeah. So Santana starts spasming out and then gets duct taped into a wheelchair that's up there for some reason. So Santana's like, uh, uh, in this wheelchair. Yeah. Sorry. Ortiz is in the wheelchair. Uh, yeah thank you he so he he puts ortiz under the bell he rings the bell he gets he starts to spasm and gets duct taped to this wheelchair that's up there for somewhere for some reason (laughs) so it and he's like wheeling himself through the stadium like (laughs) help me like i'm stuck come get me and then santana gets beat up and thrown into a freezer to help with the inflammation as Matt Hardy likes to remind him that it will help with the inflammation from the wrestling match <laughs> yep. to be locked in this freezer by a broom. <laughs> There's a lot of like broom related shenanigans in this match. There really is. I, I think they're just plentiful and easy to come by. Probably. <laughs> so we- we've covered Hangman. We've covered Hardy. We come back to Nick Jackson, who's fighting Jericho. Don't forget, we also have a segment here where Matt Jackson is hitting Northern Lights suplexes the entire length of the football field on Sammy. All 100 yards. He's just doing this while everyone else is working. Right. So everyone else is doing stuff. Matt's just doing his Northern Lights suplex routine. Do you think he actually went all 100 yards? Probably not. That's a lot. How many do you think he did? 50? 70? I think, no, God, no. 20? If he did a total 20, I'd be surprised. Okay. Because they came back to him three or four times for that. I have to figure that, like, the suplex takes up about a yard. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, probably 20 suplexes max. Okay, that makes sense. So Jericho. (laughs) So Nick Jackson and Jericho are fighting on the sidelines, going through everything there, Using the cooling down fans mm-hmm. that they hook up to the players' uniforms. Jericho sells that like it's acid or something. <laughs> or like like liquid nitrogen. Yep. Lots of freezing. Yeah. Nick gets thrown into the jaguar head mouth. <laughs> yep. Jackson, the mascot, comes and mascot thrusts at Jericho. And gets a... <laughs> Gets rewarded and changes it back for it. It it was really good to see. It was very funny. Jericho gets a near fall on Nick, which Aubrey counts two. Yep. Jericho pulls out a red flag and challenges the ruling on the field. (laughs) They go into the into the replay tent and look over the, the play and it's still only two. So Jericho, oh, we cut back to Matt Jackson, who has now 
done a suplex touchdown by making it the entire 100 yards. <laughs> he then gets a penalty for excessive celebration after yeah. celebrating the touchdown. He breaks out into an Alex Wright dance from WCW 25 years ago. It was great. We then get Sammy somehow is back up after 100 yards of Northern Light suplexes. <laughs> And who shows up? But well, he's woken up by the sprinkler system. Right, he's woken up by the sprinklers. So he's soaked. At which point, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega rejoin the fray. Very quickly. Via golf cart, chasing down Sammy yet again. Yeah, but he jumps into the stands this time. Now, uh, the BTE that came out today, because we're recording on Monday, to full disclosure, the BTE that came out today, Cutler is filming all of this yeah and there's a moment where sammy is running away from the golf cart and cutler's like slow down you're gonna hit him you're gonna hit him slow down slow down oh jesus oh he's afraid they're gonna hit the wall (laughs) right and pin sammy against the wall yeah so they got out of the way they didn't hit the wall all all worked out fine sammy goes up into the stands and is like running away from matt hardy and kenny omega uh, they they do a little bit of like you know back and forth, but at some point we get a different perspective on the camera. Where have we seen this before? Yes, it looks so similar to something we've seen before. We get a view from Neo One. Yes, which what was it like? Natural electronic organism. Nature's is what electronic Hart- organism. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense, but it's Matt Hardy, so it we let it slide. Make sense. <laughs> so Neo One comes and helps out. Which, like, to be fair, I did kind of call that we would get like a helicopter finish. A a, a quadcopter is still technically a helicopter. That, yeah, that's a form of copter. Yeah. So, like, we get the copter finish. I did expect the helicopter to get the pin (laughs) as like comeuppance for the death of vanguard one yeah didn't work out quite that way but it worked out i think a little better yeah so kenny gets a hold of sammy and sets him up for a one-way angel and i'm sitting here thinking oh god they're gonna do that on that overhang that thing's just steel that's gonna hurt like a bitch and then kenny walked forward right and then kenny fell off a, tw- a 15 to 20 foot drop onto a crash pad. Onto, well, it's okay. So it was a crash pad underneath a wooden structure. Yeah, they smashed through the structure. They smashed through the wood onto the crash pad. So like, in theory, it's a fairly safe stunt. Yeah, definitely safer than the overhang they were on. <laughs> Aubrey pulls out a ladder, climbs up, counts one, two, three, and the elite stand tall and victorious celebrate together and it seems like the drama between the bucks and hangman is over yeah hangman was out there for the celebration him and matt weren't like next to each other but they were both out there in the same shot Mm -hmm. so that's important i would like to say holy shit sammy (laughs) yeah no sammy took a lot of bumps in this Sammy's had a rough month. He's had a really rough month. He's been taking a lot of crazy bumps. And to cap it off with a one-winged angel in a 15-foot drop, where, okay, Kenny Omega sets this thing up, and he's ready to go for it. That's fine for Kenny. He can see where he's going. He can aim it. And he knows when he's going to hit. 
Sammy doesn't know when he's going to hit anything. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he's in free fall. I, yeah. It worked really well, though. Oh, God. I like what they can do with cinematic wrestling. Yeah. And I hope that cinematic wrestling continues to be a thing. Yeah, what WWE did at WrestleMania, where they did an action match and they did a psychological match, AEW made a comedy match mm -hmm. that was entirely needed. Right. It was, it was, we, there was a lot of levity that's been, that, that, like, the wrestling world has been, things haven't been easy. Yep. Wrestling world has lost two very wonderful people in the last week. In Chad Gaspar and Hannah Kimura. Uh, both equally tragic in very different ways. Yeah. And it was the sort of thing that the world, the wrestling world needed as like, a, this is a moment where we can all like enjoy how weird wrestling can get. Yeah, we, we can just breathe a little bit easier for these 40 minutes. And remember that, you know, things aren't always has, things are, aren't always stressful or, you know, this sad we can come back to these moments of pure enjoyment and remember why we all love this sport yeah hopefully try to be a little bit nicer to each other we all can do that some days mm -hmm. but that was a, that was a hell of a match that was a hell of a pay-per-view yeah it's not it's not often i go into four hours of wrestling and i legitimately love every minute of it mm -hmm. but yeah the I just loved watching through this event. It was, it, I like, you know, the, like, the stadium stampede is a classic match. Yes. That, like, will go down as one of the greats. I hope one of the greats. To be honest, though, I would like to see these early examples of, like, main event cinematic wrestling becoming as, I guess, like, okay, so, like, Early 3D. For the rest of the show, Kat goes on a rant about Mario 64 and how much she doesn't like it. I suggest listening through the whole thing, but if you're only here for the pay-per-view, we've reached the end of that, and we'll see you next week. Platform and adventure games. Ocarina of Time, Mario 64. Mm -hmm. Both of them kind of suck now. <laughs> I would like these matches to kind of suck in, like, six or seven years when cinematic matches have evolved even further okay but for now these are pioneers and these are fantastic match examples that we can look to to develop new and even better things from and yeah i'm gonna go on record saying that i think ocarina of time is not a good game anymore it didn't age well not nearly as badly as mario 64 though that game is borderline unplayable I don't know. I, I watch the speedruns of it, and it's still pretty entertaining. Speedrunners are different. They, they're like, you know, those Japanese sushi chefs who like dedicate forty years of their life to like becoming masters of like making this one particular type of yes. sushi. That's speedrunners. They don't count. <laughs> like compare the feel of this is entirely off topic, but compare the feel of like something even Mario Galaxy. Okay, just the first Mario Galaxy. Which is still a fairly old game, all things considered. I think, like, Mario Galaxy came out in 2007. That game doesn't feel as badly aged as Mario 64. But, like, 
at its core, Mario Galaxy doesn't happen without Mario 64. Yes. Mario 64 makes Sunshine possible. Sunshine and the mini levels, including the fucking god-awful bird and the god-awful pachinko level, (laughs) make Mario Galaxy possible. Mario Galaxy makes Mario Odyssey possible. It all, like, flows through. And Mario has, like, a very good, clear progression of these are ideas that we've taken from A and moved to B. Yeah. And those Bs become Cs, and those Cs become Ds. And it all flows very neatly in a way that every new Mario game feels like the most refined entry in the Mario series. I see what you're saying. Even the, like, new Super Mario Bros. U, that one was a bit more of, like, a classic Mario than, you know, like, a 2.5D Mario, effectively. So, I'm currently trying to play through new Super Mario Bros. U, and I am so bad at it. (laughs) I'm terrible at platformers. That's okay, I am too. You've seen me play Ori on stream, you've seen me play Hollow Knight on stream. Fair. Anyway, we have one more segment that we do. What's my beef? Do you have a beef this week? Do I have a beef this week? Yes, it's that Brandon Cutler wasn't there, even in the audience. Yeah, they do allude to that on BT this week. That said, highlight from the show was Big Swole yelling at people. She got up in everybody's face this whole event. I adore her. Big Swole is the best. I saw her get physically held back like three times. It was great. <laughs> I love Big Swole. She's awesome. I'm excited to see her wrestle again, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, my headache is starting to come back. Mine is, too, because I've been staring at this ring light for the last hour and 45 minutes. That's your problem. <laughs> I have to be well lit. That's how streaming works, Erin. Uh, That's why I don't stream so often. Anyway, let's end this here so I can... Turn on the air conditioning so I don't melt. Yep. Our typical sign-off, which I've I've improved my cadence on, and we're going to make sure that that actually has the appropriate cadence this time. So thank you all again. And remember, be gay, and do crimes, bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Oh, hello, Pippi. Look, it's Pippi Chat. Hello. Oh, Pippi 7, did you bring Pippi Chat with you? Oh, hooray! This song is only 4 pp minutes and 55 pp seconds.